But why, mommy, daddy? Why? If you've been a kid, you might not remember. If you know a kid, if you have kids, if you've ever heard about kids, have I got everybody yet? You probably had that experience of what usually starts out as a genuine question. Something strange happens. And boy or girl says, why, mommy? Why, daddy? And then the answer doesn't completely satisfy them. And so they say, but why? And then why again? And at some point, it shifts to a game. And no matter what you say, they're going to say, why? And about the 13th time when you're tired of this, or if you're not patient sooner, you try to figure out how to bring this conversation to a close. And sometimes people say, because I said so. Or because I'm the mommy (laughs) or the daddy. Or if you don't just want to end it that way, maybe you try to say something like, uh, we could do this all night, but it's time to do something else now. And that never works either. But you keep being patient a couple more times and and put something else in front of them to distract them or get their attention. And finally, you're on to another part of life again. I don't know if you've ever had teachers, bosses, maybe even pastors who don't seem like they want to answer the question, why? Or maybe they really don't know the answers, (laughs) but don't want to admit it. And sooner or later, usually sooner, just cut off conversation and say, because I said so. I'm the authority. We're doing it that way. I'm the boss. Don't question it. That's called insubordination. And that's not really a good model for anybody. And then there's the Bible. You ever feel like there are parts of the Bible that just give order after order after command and you want to go, but why, Gotti? Well, no, that doesn't sound right. Um, (laughs) Oh, maybe Daddy. (laughs) Abba. Why, God? Why? I had that reaction again reading tonight's passage. If you're visiting or have not been here regularly, we've been doing a study in the book of Ephesians, punctuated by lots of other things, which is our MO. So we've made it all the way up to chapter four out of four so far. And we are looking tonight at um, a passage that begins in verse 25. 
and carries on all the way to chapter 5, verse 2. There are a lot of commands here. But there are also some reasons for them that the Apostle Paul gives to the Ephesians. Some of them are explicit because. Some of them, I think, are just implied by what he says. See how many of them you can notice as we read. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands. That they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. And walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Don't lie, but tell the truth. If you're angry, don't react wrongly in your anger, but figure out how to deal with it sooner rather than later. Don't steal. Do an honest day's work and give to those in need instead. Let your talk build people up rather than tearing them down. And get rid of all other kinds of nasty stuff. Wah, wah, wah. Rules. Commands. Although, come to think of it, it is kind of what we try to teach our kids, isn't it? <laughs> Tell the truth. Don't lie. Don't be too angry. Don't steal. Don't use bad language. Don't fight. If too many people in a home too much of the time didn't do that, it doesn't matter whether you're Christian or some other religion or no religion at all, you're not going to have a healthy functioning home. And if 
too many in a group, including a church, do too much of that stuff, too much of the time. It's going to be chaos. It's not going to be a pleasant place to be. And if too many people in society lose their ethical moorings, it's going to be like uh, it's a wonderful life when uh, Pottersville (laughs) was the reality. But did you notice there are some reasons that God gives? Five commands, five mandates, and an explicit or implicit reason for each. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. The Greek is a little more literal, and and some translations say we are all members of each other. What the heck could that mean? Your arm is stuck on my shoulder? (laughs) But it's about the unity that we were introduced to in chapter 3, the last time I was invited to speak here. What's wrong with lying? I mean, it's just a little white lie. Think back to when you realize someone told you a lie. Do you have to try very hard? (laughs) Or when you found out someone told you a white lie. It really didn't hurt you. In fact, it maybe was, they thought, for your sake. I I can remember not more than 10 years ago when my mother finally admitted that as I was in grade school and she was teaching me to play checkers. Anybody still play checkers? (laughs) Yay. All right. I was a little older than you, but she let me win part of the time. I thought I had actually learned enough about the game to occasionally beat her. And I was, (laughs) as about a 50-year-old, it was like, really? Oh, what a letdown. (laughs) I mean, talk about something trivial and silly as that. You didn't trust me enough to be able to cope with losing more often. Maybe I couldn't have. I don't know. Maybe she knew best. But then translate that into something where the stakes are a lot higher. The brand new pastor who shows up thinking he or she is going to be the associate only to find out that the senior pastor has been plotting all along that the day that person appears, they're announcing their resignation. What? And you didn't, you didn't tell me? That's not even a lie. That's just withholding something. 
but might as well have been a lie because it meant that that new person has their whole life (laughs) and ministry changed and upended. When we lie, sooner or later, we'll be found out. Eventually on Judgment Day, but more often than not, it comes back to haunt us in this life. I have no idea how 70% of my term paper was exactly the same as various Internet sources. (laughs) That email in my sent box... It says how much I love Billy Bob rather than my husband. No idea where that came from. Somebody must have hacked my computer. (laughs) No, I never passed on to Jesse that choice piece of gossip you told me. No, he couldn't have found out it that that way. (laughs) Most lying is for self-preservation. And it almost always backfires because people find out and they're hurt and we're hurt. And I think that's what Paul's saying here. We are all members of one body. And even if we're not found out, if you're hurt, I should be hurt because we're members of the same body. Tell the truth. Apologize if you have to. Fall on your face and beg for forgiveness. <laughs> Feels really crummy. And in the long term, you'll feel a whole lot better. And now we come to a very curious passage. In your anger, do not sin. Here, the Greek literally is a command. It says, be angry and don't sin. (laughs) Oh, great. I have permission to be angry. (laughs) You do. It's a natural human emotion. Nobody goes through life without it. Those of you who want to learn something from seminary in a very harmless way. This is what's called a conditional imperative. An imperative, a command that really is an if statement. And I bet you've used it with your kids or heard it used when you were a kid too. Do that one more time and you're in big trouble is not a command to do it one more time. But that's the way it's phrased. (laughs) It's a conditional imperative. If you do that one more time. If you are angry, and we will be. And anger inherently is not sinful. It's how we deal with it. Do we deal with it constructively? Do we hurt people? Do we just stuff it? thinking that that's the way we don't hurt anybody, but then we wind up hurting ourselves and we stuff it and we stuff it and pretty soon, like 
the balloon that you blow up with helium, that we can't hold it anymore. <laughs> and we either go up to the sky or we pop and there's an explosion of anger. I remember when Leonor Ortega Till was on staff, she once said, I don't know about this verse. It says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Sometimes I find it's better to just sleep on a problem for a night. Well, actually, that's pretty wise. This is a figure of speech. I mean, seriously, think about it. What would you do if you lived in Alaska all winter? The sun is always down. You can't get angry for six months or what? It's a figure of speech. Yeah, sometimes you have to sleep on it for a night. The point is, deal with it promptly. Don't let it sit, soak, and sour <laughs> and fester. And then finally lead to worse problems. Otherwise... The devil gets a foothold, just like uh, a Navy landing on a beach, gaining a beachhead from which to proceed through more and more territory and do his dirty work. Don't steal. One of the big ten. Commandments, not college basketball leagues. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with your own with their own hands. Now, I might have thought Paul would say, don't steal because that doesn't belong to you. That's what I heard growing up since we're into why mommy. It's not yours. You can't have that. Don't take it. It doesn't belong to you. The last I checked, Robin Hood is still a fairy tale. People don't really steal from the rich and give to the poor. People steal from anybody and use it for their own benefit. <laughs> but what an interesting reason Paul gives here. Why should you do an honest day's work? And it's interesting, the word for work here is not the run-of-the-mill word for work. It's a word that means you worked really hard and were exhausted by the end of the day. So that they may have something to share with those in need. So that those in need don't have to pull a Jean Valjean if you're a Les Mis fan. And try to steal the fancy candlesticks from the priest, which he would then presumably pawn to make some money simply to feed himself. It's not saying that there aren't poor people who can't find work. It's talking to those who won't work, whatever their economic status might be, and steal for themselves, whereas work not only provides for yourself and a family if you have one, 
you're supposed to give some of it away. Especially to those in particular need. And that's one thing Scum does remarkably well. Much better than an awful lot of churches. We're getting some reasons for the commands. And here's the really fun one for tonight. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Well, what the F is that about? I mean, gosh, dang, heck, darn, shite, and corn. A man who's now with the Lord at a church we were once part of never swore in his life, but when he got really mad, he said corn in an angry tone. Yes, he was from Nebraska. (laughs) if you have never read Mike Sayre's book you should it's wonderful you'll understand the first 10 years or so of the church you'll understand some of the history you'll be encouraged by some amazing things God has done you'll be amazed at some wild things he did through some wild people. And one of the stories about a woman that Fran and I know hasn't lived here in Denver for a while now, but did for a long time and was at the church when we first came in the late 2000s. On Christmas Eve, read one of her own poems. It was a brilliant poem. And it was a poem of redemption about some young, foul-mouthed boys who were loved for Jesus' sake. And in that poem, she quoted them. Now, if you've ever seen the movie Goodwill Hunting, I remember going to the theater thinking the F word occurred more in the first five minutes than in most movies I've watched in the entirety, and I guess they wanted to make sure it got rated R, not just PG-13. But then as the story unfolded, it made sense. These were foul-mouthed young adults. (laughs) But in its own way, that was a movie of redemption. What qualifies as unwholesome talk? Well, again, the Bible wasn't written in English, so I go back and I look up the word. And and in the Greek, it's the word sapros, which every other time in the Bible, and there's only about a half a dozen times in the New Testament, it's in the context of fruit or wheat that has gotten rotten, decayed. Harmful to you if you try to eat it or turn it into something edible. And that fits this context perfectly. It's the opposite of what is helpful for building others up according to their needs to benefit those who listen. I remember when Our girls were still living with us, and they went to public schools, and 
they'd come home and something pretty outrageous had happened and they were sort of shy to talk to us about it. And I finally said, I went to public schools too. I, I grew up in a school that had race riots my junior year of high school. I've, I've heard every swear word in the book. Um, just because I, I teach at a seminary now doesn't mean I've led some innocent, pristine life. And then, they, oh, yeah, okay, well, here's the crap that happened. <laughs> it's not the words that make something wholesome or unwholesome. It's the purpose for which they're spoken. If I am quoting somebody's foul mouth for the sake of being a foil to later transformation, that's powerfully encouraging. Yet Mike Sayers lost supporters. Because of that. And Jesse Heilman has more recently lost supporters because there are things he says that shouldn't be said with a microphone in hand. We don't have a pulpit, but from behind the music stand. But I've never heard Mike or Jesse say a word that has hurt me. I understand why they do it. And it's in a context that's redemptive. Ironically, some of the things that were said to them by the people who withdrew support more qualified as this kind of unwholesome talk than any profanity you could utter. Because all it was intended to do was to destroy and to hurt. And Mike's going to come back to this passage next week, and I didn't want him to have to tell that story. So, there, you heard it. Otherwise, we grieve the Holy Spirit. Oh, you mean God has emotions? You mean the Spirit feels bad when we disobey? How about that? And then finally, get rid of, well, basically everything that Paul hasn't covered. <laughs> Bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, and here the word that's translated malice is just a generic Greek word that means evil. <laughs> Anything we haven't covered thus far. That is the opposite of being kind and compassionate and forgiving. Just as in Christ, God forgave us. Here are the other two persons of our triune God. The father who sent Christ, the love that sent Christ to the cross. And he gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Is there a unifying theme here? 
Let's let's put on one slide what we've seen. Tell truth rather than lies because we are members of one body. Deal with anger rather than sinning in it so that the devil doesn't get a foothold. Work rather than stealing in order to give to the poor. Say what builds up rather than what destroys to benefit others and not grieve the spirit and be kind and loving rather than fighting in evil because of God's forgiveness and Christ's love. Is that just random? Is that just what the Catholic nun likes to harp on in the eighth grade Catholic class? few of you have unfortunately had that experience. Well, maybe some of you have fortunately had it, but most stories I've heard about Catholic junior high are not positive. (laughs) Is it too simplistic to summarize it all (laughs) with the saying, it's not all about you? Which, yet again, you might have said to your kids, (laughs) or heard said to you, or somebody else's kids. And, And since we're thinking in the terms of the body, maybe we should add, and it's even not all about us. Scum is not the center of God's universe. What the F? Really? But if we stop there, then we just end on a negative note again. Tell the truth. Don't lie. Don't misappropriate anger. Work hard rather than stealing to give to others. Do that which builds up others with your speech. Be kind and loving to others rather than fighting and doing evil things. I think I'm hearing it's all about others. Oh, and they took off my punchline. Amazing what happens in cyberspace. I did not accidentally end with a comma. The next line, oh, that's right. Try to animate something, and I can't do that here. It screws it all up. My bad. It's all about others, but what we find out is we're helping ourselves and doing what's best for us and for me and you in the process even though it might not feel like it right at the time. Mike will come back next week and make all the necessary additions and corrections. He's shaking his head out in the lobby. But let's pray together. Father, if there are others like me who recoil not always outwardly, but often inwardly at lists of rules. 
Help us see this not as a list of rules, but as mandates for how our lives can be the very best they can possibly be. For each of us by ourselves, for all of us together as a church and in each group in life that we find ourselves in. Forgive us for all those times we've wallowed in pity parties for ourselves. Keep us focused on the needs of others, doing what is in their good, in their best interests, and help us discover, as you've helped us so many times in the past, that that's actually what's best for us. After all, whatever those situations are that you have brought to mind or bring to mind after tonight, where there's anything within our power to make relationships right or to take a step down the path of making them right, help us to do that sooner rather than later. If not before the sun goes down tonight, maybe at least before we come back next week. Encourage us, strengthen us, and comfort us for all that you bring our way this week, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.